0: Let's bow our heads together for a word of prayer before we open the Word. Father, we do thank You that we can gather today and worship the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You that You sent Your Son to be cruelly treated on our behalf, to cleanse us, from our sins, when we turn to Christ, confessing our sins and believing in Jesus Christ, Father, we thank You for the wonderful hope that is ours because of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You for the wonderful promises that we find in Your Word that are only possible because of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we open Your Word. We come together to open this wonderful Word that You've given us, and I pray that You would help us to Be sensitive to Your Spirit's leading and teaching in our hearts and minds today. Father, I pray that You would remove all the distractions from our minds, the week that that is coming, the week that is behind us, and the things that, that concern us in our daily living. Lord, I pray that You would remove those for just a few moments as we come to Your Word. But Lord, help us to not forget that what You have for us here today applies to all those things applies to our daily living, applies to the struggles that we face, applies to the conflicts that that we face at times. And so Lord help us to trust in you and in your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. Continuing our study together in First John. We come to chapter 4 together this morning, and as we enter chapter 4, we find John challenging believers over a very real and present danger, and I think you'll see what that is as we read through the first six verses of first John, John chapter 4. Let's look at them together. Follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read, First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Beloved. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And verse 5 says, They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, as I said, as we enter chapter 4 here, we find John challenging believers over a very real, a very present danger. And that danger is false teachers. False teaching and false teachers continue to be a very serious problem for the church today, a very serious threat to believers today. If there's been any change between the time that John wrote what we just read and now, if there's been any change, it is that false teaching has only grown, has only increased and multiplied into a a multitude of elaborate systems. Now, the reason for this is that Satan has never taken a vacation, right? Satan and his demons have never taken a vacation from their mission of, and this is their mission, they want to corrupt God's truth. They have not taken a break from spreading error. They have not taken leave of, of causing confusion among believers. That is what they are, they are, that's what they are here for to do the work of the father of lies, Satan, the deceiver. Now, wouldn't it be nice if false teachers were easy to expose? Wouldn't it be nice if they would, I don't know, wear a big red hat or something, right? Or, or say, you know, I'm going to tell you a bunch of lies, but I want you to believe me, okay? Okay? And we'd say, wait a minute, you just said you are going to tell me a bunch of lies. It would be nice if they were easy to spot, easy to expose. Wouldn't it be nice if that were true? Wouldn't it be wonderful if those who were teaching falsehoods about God's Word could be easily identified and avoided? Like the story I read about the deceptive grocer told by a fellow by the name of Lawrence Barr who writes, the grocer operated a small store in Arkansas in the 1940s, a customer had come in who was having company the next day and told him she needed a large chicken since she was having a lot of visitors. He pushed his hand down into the bin of ice where the chickens were kept and came up with a chicken. When he put it on the scale, she she stretched to see the weight and declared, I need one larger than that. So he put the chicken back down in the ice and fumbled for another. To his chagrin, he had no other chicken. So with with that, he pulled out the same chicken. And to the weight of it, he added a hidden finger on the back of a, the scale. When she eyed the scale, she confidently declared, I'll take both chickens. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the case of the dishonest grocer, the lie was easily identified, wasn't it? When he had to admit, I'm sorry, I only have one chicken, Right? What do you do with obvious dishonesty? You expose it, don't you? You say, that's a lie. Get that away from me. That's dishonest. I hope so, anyway, right? That's what we do with this, with obvious dishonesty. As a matter of fact, we've started doing that in our home lately with all the political ads on TV. You know, I'm not saying we mute all of them. I'm not suggesting they're all lies. But the ones that we know are lies... I'm not listening to that. I mute it, right? We mute those lies because we don't want to let those things infiltrate our thinking. It might help just to mute all the political ads. I don't know. We started doing that lately. You know it would be a good thing to do when you see a lie? To mute it. To be done with it. But not all lies are easily exposed like that, are they? Not all lies are easily dealt with like that, are they? Unfortunately, exposing false teachers isn't often that easy, and that's because false teachers like to mix a bit of the truth with their lies, don't they? It's like poet Lord Alfred Tennyson wrote, He said, likewise, that a lie which is half a truth is ever the blackest of lies, that a lie which is all a lie may be met and fought with outright, but a lie which is part a truth is a harder matter to fight. That's true, isn't it? Deceptive teachers do their deception, work their deception, because what they're doing is mixing just a little bit of truth with their error. Identifying those who deceive believers with their teaching may be more difficult because they often do tell part of the truth. But the good news is there is a way to identify false teachers, and their teaching. And John points to it here in our passage. Let's take a closer look at what John says about dealing with false teachers and their teaching this morning. First, of course, let me just pause here at the beginning where we can see that John addresses the church. He is addressing the church because he's instructing believers here and we can tell because he uses this this phrase that's common with John. He says, "Beloved." He begins with this Warm greeting, beloved. Six times John addresses believers in 1 John as beloved, meaning those who are loved divinely in God. Maybe I ought to start greeting you as beloved. How would that be? Good morning, beloved. Right? It's true, isn't it? And John addresses the believers, which brings to mind an important point for us. What follows is critical for all believers to pay attention to. We've got to give this our close consideration this morning. John says, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And what he's talking about when he says the spirit, don't believe every spirit, what he's talking about here are people who come along and state that what they're teaching is connected with God's truth. People who come along and say, you can believe me because I'm teaching the truth of God's Word, or you can believe me because I'm speaking for God. John says, "Uh uh-uh, do not believe every spirit. It's like your mama taught you, right? Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe, John says, everyone who claims to be speaking the truth for God. You know, like your mother taught you, don't believe everything you hear. How foolish it would be for us to believe everything we heard that was claimed to be the truth about God's Word. You know, it'd be as bad as believing everything that we hear in the news. You don't believe everything you hear in the news, do you? <laughs> it would be as bad as believing everything that you find on the internet. Oh, you don't believe everything you find on the internet, do you? <laughs> it would be as bad as believing everything that your friends email you. You know those emails that they forward, they got forwarded to them that somebody forwarded to them and they say if you don't forward it, you know, you're you don't forward everything everyone sends to you, do you? You you carefully discriminate which ones you forward, right? It would be careless of us. It would be dangerous for believers to believe everything that they hear. It would be dangerous and foolish for believers to take as gospel everything proclaimed by anyone who professes to be speaking God's truth. And so John says listen, be careful. Don't believe every spirit. Now, this is true for us, it's true for you in this church. Is true for you whether you go to some other church 90% of the time in whatever pulpit you hear God's Word being declared, you had better be careful that you don't believe everything you hear without trying it. And I'll talk about that in a moment. It's true for us whether it's teaching that we receive through the printed Word, in the books that we read, whether it's online, whether it's in the teaching that we listen to, whether it's from this pulpit or any other pulpit, or teaching that we hear on the radio or listen to on the Internet, or teaching that we watch on television or watch on video. That just about covers it all, doesn't it? We would be terribly confused and easily led into error if we believed everything. So what does John tell believers to do instead of believing everything that they hear and everyone who is teaching? Look at verse 1 again. Don't believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And what he's talking about, too, again, I go back to that. What he's talking about, when he talks about testing the spirits, he's talking about testing the teachers who claim to be speaking for for God, speaking the truth of God's Word. So I put it this way. John is saying, hey, it's time to test the teacher. You know, teachers love to give tests. We have some teachers here, right? You just love giving tests, right? You just take joy and reveling in watching your students squirm. Well, now it's time for us to test the teacher. Unfortunately, I'm your teacher, so it's time for you to test me, right? you got to test everyone who claims to be a teacher for God's truth. you got you got to test every book, every magazine article, everything you find on the Internet, everything you watch on television, every video, every article, every piece of information that comes to you supposing to be God's truth It is to be tested. Now using the word spirits here, John emphasizes that there are spirits, as in plural, as in more than one. Yes, believers have the Holy Spirit, right? Believers have the Holy Spirit to instruct, to encourage, to comfort, to guide. And teachers ought to be tested to see whether what they are teaching is from God. Because not all teachers' teaching is from God. The word test here means to try. It means to scrutinize. It means to prove or to examine. And this is the role of every believer, and especially so those who are leading the church. But none of us are excused from testing the teacher. If you're a follower of Christ, your responsibility is to help make sure that what's feeding your mind and your soul is in agreement with what God's Word says. Believers ought to closely examine and scrutinize all teaching as to whether it is genuinely biblical teaching or not. Now we see an example of this kind of close examination of teaching and teachers in Acts chapter 17, and verse 11, where it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now that's the same attitude believers should have today. That's the attitude I want you to have. That's the attitude I pray for God's church today, that we would be a people who who follow hard after God, who pursue God's truth, who eagerly pursue the truth and pursue the teaching of God's truth. And then examine that truth according to the Scriptures. Because it's possible that what you are hearing is not from God. And if it's not from God... Just think with me for a moment here. If it's not from God, then whose teaching is it? Verse 1 says, chapter 4, verse 1, For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now here's why we closely examine what we're being taught. Here's why we test the teacher. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, Whose prophets are these false prophets? Right? You're getting the connection, right? Here's where we need to take very seriously this admonition from John that we are to test the teacher and the teaching. We dare not take lightly. We dare not shrug our shoulders and say, well, you know, it's from a reputable source. We we need to be careful. We dare not take lightly something we test and find not to be in agreement with God's Word. We dare not take lightly something that we test according to God's Word and find to be in disagreement with God's Word. Why? Because if it's not in agreement with God's Word, then it's from somewhere else. And if it's not by the Spirit of God, then whose spirit is it? It's the work of Satan. All false teaching is from Satan. That sounds like a strong statement, doesn't it? All false teaching, it doesn't matter who's teaching it. All false teaching is from Satan. Think not? Think again. Consider this biblical description of Satan that J.I. Packer writes when he says, Satan's deceptive cunning is highlighted by Paul's statement that he becomes an angel of light, disguising evil as good. As he was Christ's sworn foe, so now he is the Christians, always probing for weaknesses, misdirecting strengths, and undermining faith, hope, and character. Now, of Satan's demons, and there are many, Packer reminds that they use deception and discouragement in many forms. Now, that's why Believers must closely examine the teaching of those who claim to speak the truth of God's Word. If what is taught is not in agreement with God's Word, then it's not from God, it's from Satan. We need to take false teaching very seriously, don't we? We need to realize that, that any teaching that is not in agreement with God's Word is satanic teaching, is we're, is uh, teaching from the devil is from the father of lies. Now, I'm concerned because this can be very subtle. All right, this can be very subtle. It can come in very, in many many forms, and very often our defenses against the deceit of the devil are lowered for one of several reasons. For one, we might believe that a huge TV ministry must be okay because the church behind it has grown to several thousand members. I would would exercise caution. Just because a church is large doesn't mean that it's speaking the truth and preaching and teaching the truth. Just because it has thousands of members behind it doesn't mean it's teaching the truth. Just because the preacher has authored many successful and best-selling books doesn't mean he's teaching the truth. We need to be very careful to not let the size of a church, whether large or small, be the measure of truth. And I would say that that would be true in either direction. Just because a church is small doesn't mean it's telling the truth. Just because it's big doesn't mean it's telling the truth. Just because there are a lot of members in a congregation doesn't mean it's not telling the truth. And just because there aren't many members doesn't mean it's not telling the truth. So we need to remove the size of a congregation from the equation. We need to be very careful about this. Only God's Word should be our measure for truth. Why is that? Because it's been proven again and again that many people can be deceived. Satan, the father of lies, is at work today deceiving people and taking them away from the truth. And thousands upon thousands of people can be deceived and taken away from the truth. And so the size of a congregation should not be an indicator as to whether it's speaking and teaching and preaching the truth. For another example, consider the books that we read. Just because your dear friend recommended a wonderful book that has changed their life and everyone is reading it doesn't mean that it's truth. You ought not lower your defenses and assume that it agrees with God's word just because your closest and dearest friend says this is a great book. Everybody's reading it. It's a bestseller. It's on Oprah's. Well, you know, there's, there you go. It, it's on, you know, somebody's best selling list. It's on the top of the New York Times best list. Wherever it is, be careful. Just because it's best selling doesn't make it truth. Believers ought to closely examine and scrutinize all teaching as to whether it is genuinely biblical teaching or not. So how do we test the teacher? We're all responsible to do this as followers of Christ. This is our individual responsibility. It's also the responsibility of the leadership of this church, especially so. How do we test whether a teaching is of the spirit of God or is of the spirit of the devil? Let's keep going. Look at verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 and verse 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. John is saying, do they teach that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Does their, and we could put it this way, does their teaching agree with the gospel? You see, in, Paul, in John's day, what he was dealing with, there were those teaching, which is one of the reasons John is writing this letter that we've been studying there were those there who were teaching that Jesus was not God in human flesh. That He could not have come. God could not have come in human flesh. So Jesus was not God in human flesh in direct opposition to what the apostles were teaching. And they taught as if they were speaking for God in the matter. Now for the church today, the deceptions don't stop there. They only start there. For the church today, the deceptions are many and varied and elaborate and systematized. And for the church today, we could, we could detect much false teaching by measuring what is taught against whether it agrees with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have here this example in verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. We could say, likewise, in our day, if, if what is being taught does not agree with the Gospel, with the good news of, of Jesus Christ, it's a good measure for us to measure teaching with. And if it doesn't measure up to the Gospel, then it's not true. Now you might ask, what is the Gospel? And, and, and how do I compare teaching to the Gospel? A pastor by the name of Tabiti Anabwile writes in a book, that he authored recently called, What is a Healthy Church Member? And he writes about the need and the necessity for church members to be uh, gospel-fortified believers, believers who are grounded and saturated in the gospel so that they know it, so that they understand it, so they can tell the gospel to others, the good news of Jesus Christ. I think what he writes about the gospel is very helpful for us because it can be a good standard for us to measure truth with or, or untruth with. He writes, defining the gospel this way, the gospel, or good news of Jesus Christ, is that God the Father, who is holy and righteous in all His ways, is angry with sinners and will punish sin. Man who disobeys the rule of God is alienated from the love of God and in danger of an eternal and agonizing condemnation at the hands of God. But God, who is also rich in mercy because of His great love, sent His eternal Son, born by the Virgin Mary, to die as a ransom and a substitute for the sins of rebellious people. And now, through the perfect obedience of the Son of God and His willing death on the cross as payment for our sins, all who repent and believe in Jesus Christ, following Him as Savior and Lord, will be saved from the wrath of God to come. Declare just in His sight, have eternal life, and receive the Spirit of God as a foretaste of the glories of heaven with God Himself. It is this message, says he, briefly stated here that we must imbibe and delight in if we are to be healthy church members. And I would agree with Tabiti in saying, it is that definition of the gospel that we had better make our own if we're going to be able to judge whether we're hearing the truth or not. You see, the gospel... The good news of Jesus Christ ought to saturate the heart of every believer. That's what we're all about as a church, helping you learn how to saturate your heart and soul and mind and your passions with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the reasons that I pointed out the TRG, the Theology Reading Group, that I'm encouraging men to join together with me to learn about God so that we can become more Christ-like in the way that we live. So that we'll know the gospel, so that we'll know the word, so that we'll be able to Witness effectively and point people to Jesus Christ with our lives. And that gospel, that good news of Jesus Christ is a solid defense against false teaching. John points to another way to expose false teaching. He says in verse 5, look at it with me. And this is very common... For us today, we see it everywhere. Verse 5, "...they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them." In other words, he's saying, these false teachers, they're speaking from the world's point of view because they are from the world and they are not from God. And since they are of the world... The things that they teach are music to the ears of those who do not want to be inconvenienced by the truth of God's Word. And the teaching that they teach is salving the consciences of the hearers. The questions we could ask is, is this teaching that I'm hearing, is it salve to my itching ears? You know, the Scriptures warn that in in the last times people will have itching ears. It means that, that all we want is to hear things that make us feel better and don't convict us of sin and don't challenge us with our own depravity and our need of a Savior. The world will not want to hear the truth, and that's very true, isn't it? So we could ask, is what I'm hearing... Teaching to itching ears. Are they teaching to itching ears? Are they trying to please people with what they teach? If so, as John says in verse 5, they're from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. The world listens to that kind of teaching because it wants to hear that kind of teaching. It listens to teaching that salves their conscience and makes them feel better about where they are instead of convicting them of sin because that's where they want to be. But on the other hand, those whose teaching is from God, those whose teaching is by the Spirit of truth, listen to the apostles' teaching. They listen to the apostles' teaching. They listen to what the apostles taught and teach. Look at verse 6. John says, we are from God. He's talking about he and the apostles. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, listens to the apostles. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's how to judge false teaching. Is it, in, is it, is it taught in conjunction with what the, the apostles teach? Are those teachers listening to what God's Word teaches? And are they teaching the truth of God's Word? Those who are teaching truth, listen to the teaching of the apostles. Listen to the teaching of God's Word. Their teaching is in agreement with that of the apostles' teaching. They teach what the apostles taught. For the church today, we're talking about what God gave the church through the apostles' teaching, which is contained in the New Testament. Now, do you want to expose false teachers when you hear false teachers teaching? And do you want to expose their teaching? for what it is, you can do so by comparing what that teacher is teaching with God's Word. That's why it's so critical that we be students of the Word. That's why it's necessary for us to to know God's Word and read God's Word and to saturate our hearts and minds with God's Word. Because those who know God agree with God's Word. And those who do not agree No, God will not agree with God's Word. Now, there's an implication here. And I've already touched on it. The implication, of course, is that we must know and apply God's Word. We must know it. And we must live it. And what helps us know and understand God's Word is being devoted to knowing and understanding the Word as we see the early church doing in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says of the church, and they devoted themselves. What's devotion? But if not a serious commitment, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Note that they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, to what the apostles taught, That's our part, isn't it? That's our part. We have a part to play in exposing false teachers and guarding our hearts from from untruth. We have a part to play in guarding our hearts and souls and minds from the lies of the deceiver. And that's our part. To know God's Word and apply God's Word. But what I haven't touched on yet is the Holy Spirit's part. There is hope. Maybe you noticed we skipped verse 4. There's hope. There's encouragement. There's comfort for believers right in the middle of this teaching from John to test the teachers. Look again at verse 4. John says, little children, in effect he's saying, look at your heavenly Father, little children. Like a child looks up to his father. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, for the believer in Jesus Christ, there is this wonderful promise, isn't there? This is certain. Though there are false teachers whom Satan is using to deceive, you can expose those whose teaching is in opposition to the Word. You can be guarded against their false teaching, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God the Holy Spirit who is in you is stronger, is greater, and will overcome the ones, Satan and his demons, who are speaking to deceive you. Now we ought to be encouraged by this truth as well, that we ought, to, we ought not be surprised when there are those who will believe anything. Well, there are those who are deceiving we ought to be encouraged by this truth that we ought not be surprised that the spirit of the deceiver is at work in the world today. You know, sometimes we we are surprised, aren't we? We see something. We think, how could somebody believe that? Look at how many thousands of people are following that rubbish. That's not that's not the gospel. How could people believe that? And yet God's word says, "I'm warning you." <laughs> Don't believe, John says, don't believe everything you hear. Test the spirits. Don't be surprised because many false prophets have come into the world to spread the lies of the deceiver. So in a way, we got to be encouraged. Don't be discouraged when you see this happening. We ought not be surprised that the spirit of the deceiver is at work in the world today doing all he can to misdirect and thwart the testimony and witness of believers. Don't be discouraged. Don't be surprised. His actions and motives have been exposed for what they are. You realize that, right? His actions and his motives have been exposed for what they are. They are a lie and the one who has already been declared the loser. You see that? Satan is a liar and he has been declared the loser. As J.I. Packer, whom I quoted earlier, says of Satan and his demons, Satan should be taken seriously for malice and cunning, make him fearsome, yet not so seriously as to provoke abject terror of him, for he is a beaten enemy. Satan is stronger than we are, but Christ has triumphed over Satan, and Christians will triumph over him too if they resist him with the resources that Christ supplies. The one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Acknowledging Satan's reality, taking his opposition seriously, noting his strategy, which is anything, provided it be not biblical Christianity, and reckoning on always being at war with him. This is not a lapse into a dualistic concept of two gods, one good, one evil, fighting it out. Satan is a creature, superhuman but not divine. He has much knowledge and power, but he is neither omniscient nor omnipotent. He can move around in ways that humans cannot, but he is not omnipresent. And he is an already defeated rebel, having no more power than God allows him and being destined for the lake of fire. Take hope. Yes, there is a deceiver, but he is a defeated deceiver. Take the deceiver and his lies very seriously, yes. But he is a loser, okay? False teachers do not exist to speak the truth. False teachers do exist and do speak the lies of the deceiver. And they do speak in a way that is very appealing to a world that loves to hear the lies that satisfy and comfort them in their sins. Don't be discouraged that those who teach lies appear to experience great success. Don't be defeated in that those who are teaching and preaching things that are not in agreement with God's word appear to be experience unbelievable success. You gotta pray. You gotta pray for those ministries. You gotta pray for those pastors that they'll get right with God and get saved and start speaking the truth. You hold to the truth. You embrace the truth. You take great hope and comfort and courage from knowing that He who is in you, right, is greater than He who is in the world. Pray with me. Father in Heaven, we do take great hope. We do take great encouragement and strength from the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ, because of the Gospel message that we have to declare. We, we are strengthened by You. We are strengthened by Your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that You would help us as followers of Christ to yield to You always, to yield to Your Word always, to pursue Your truth, to know Your truth, to declare the Gospel and to be guarded from error. Lord, I pray, guard our hearts and minds. Help us to learn to be a people who are very discerning, not living in fear, not afraid of the deceiver, knowing that You have defeated him and that You are more powerful than he. Because for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit is more powerful than those the power of the deceiver. And so, Lord, we we call on You and ask You to encourage us and embolden us and strengthen us as we look to Your Word. Use Your Word to grow us in Christ-likeness and to guard our hearts and minds from the ploys of the One who would lead us into, into falsehood. Father, I pray for Your church today. Lord, help us to be very careful and to be very certain that we test what we hear as to whether it truly is the truth of God's Word. And Lord, we ask for Your insight and wisdom in this. Father, I pray that You would protect us as a church. Lord, help us to never stray from Your Word. Help us to never wander from these fundamental and basic truths of of the Christian faith that we have known to be for sure from Your Word. Father, I pray that You would guard those who teach in this fellowship, that we would be serious students of the Word as we teach, that we would be speaking for you because what we're speaking is the truth of God's Word. And now, Father, I pray for your people as we depart, as we go our separate ways today. Take us from this place and into the week ahead and help us as we encounter the lies of the deceiver to be wise to them. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.